National League Championship. They have beaten the Padres 4-3, and they celebrate on their home turf as the Phillies of the 2022 NL Champs. From WHYY and Billy Penn, it is hitting season. Hey there, podcast pals. I am John Stolnes from The Good Fight and Billy Penn. Recapping game one and two of the NLCS, Phillies take a commanding 2-0 series lead after a 10-0 blowout win in game two against the overmatched Diamondbacks. Joining me to break down what we saw here on, what is it, Tuesday night here at the end of game two. We'll talk about games one and two uh, of these games played at Citizens Bank Park. My good buddy Justin Clue from Baseball Prospectus, the dirty inning and absolutely hammered over on our Patreon. Justin, man, I tell you, we don't get many of these kind of blowout playoff wins. Most of these things are nail biters, but the Phillies did everyone a favor and let everybody just party over the last few winnings of this one. And now they have they have control of this National League Championship Series. How you feeling? Boy, I have never watched an easier playoff game in my life. That was, you know, <laughs> last night it was, I was, I was telling somebody today, like, it, it's pretty easy to get comfortable in a playoff game when you have the lead within the first four seconds of the game. And uh, last yep. night when Kyle Schwarber hit first pitch home run, it was like, all right, this is great. And that game actually got a little dicier later yeah, in the, later, later in, in the later innings. But mm. this game, boy. Oof, this one was exactly what you kind of thought maybe last night was going to be. And yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm having a hard time this being an instant reaction uh, yeah. in keeping my confidence in a realistic place. Oh, me too. <laughs> no, they didn't. The Phillies didn't do anything in game two specifically to have anyone thinking, hey, let's pump the brakes here. <laughs> yeah. Nobody's pumping anything right now. Nobody's pumping any brakes. Trey Turner had like bobbled that first ball that came to him. And then other than that, what did they really do wrong other than let Jake Cave have it at bat? But then that turned into a very exciting situation as yeah, well. That was, so. that was fun too. Yeah, that was fun too. Um, and Garrett Stubbs got in the game. You know, he'd never played in any of these playoff games before. So they get him in a game. They get Edmundo Sosa and at bat. You know, it was just, it was party time in, in the last uh, couple innings of this one as the Phillies really dominated. Uh, it was a 3 nothing game after Kyle Schwarber hit a home run, his second of the game in the sixth, and then the Phillies just poured it on there. Uh, four total runs in the sixth, four more in the seventh. But uh, Merrill Kelly really and really kept things close. And we're going to talk about. Um, it's kind of interesting with with these first two games. I think the most important aspect of games one and two are the fact that Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola did what they did. But when you think of like the memories of, of these two games, you're probably not going to think of Aaron Nola. You're probably not going to think of Zach Wheeler, even though what they did is is certainly, I think, the most the most important. What you're going to think of those early home runs, you know, the crowd, because that's where the crowd goes crazy when, you know, Schwarber is hitting that, that the leadoff home run. When Trey Turner hits a, a, a first inning home run to get the Phillies off to another fast start here in game two. And then Kyle Schwarber goes deep twice in this game, apparently thinking the National League Championship Series is his own personal June. Uh, going going nuts at the plate, you know, after being quiet for the wild card round and the divisional round, um, just a, just a, a a wild game two at Citizens Bank Park, and uh, yeah, I don't even really know where to start. You're right; it's an instant reaction show. Uh, I think you know. Let me just throw some numbers at people here to to start off. Uh, the Phillies have a two nothing lead in a best of seven format. The team that takes a 2-0 lead wins 84% of the time. So it's certainly that in the Phillies factor here. Um, Paul Casella from MLB.com noted that through eight playoff games, eight playoff games so far, the Phillies have trailed at the end of two innings in eight playoff games. 
They have led at the end of 57 innings. They have only faced 19 pitches while trailing in a game so far in the playoffs, 860 while leading. And they have only thrown 24 pitches while trailing in a game. They've thrown 797 pitches while leading. So this team is front-running pretty much every single game here throughout the postseason. And I'll mention one more. Corey Seidman notes that with the 10-0 win, they're the first team to score double-digit runs and shut out their opponent in the playoffs since the Royals in Game 6 of the 2014 World Series. The last National League team to do it was the 2009 Phillies in Game 3 of the NLCS against the Dodgers. So they, Justin, they're doing it with starting pitching. They're doing it with power, and they're doing it with a bullpen. I mean, the three ingredients you need to be a dominant team in the playoffs Certainly, that was on full display in Game 1 and on full display in Game 2. Some teams are built to win a really good number of 162 games, and some teams are built to win in the playoffs. And the best teams are built to do at least like both yeah, very well. a little well. bit of both. Mm-hmm. And the Phillies were clearly built to thrive in this environment because this has to be the best baseball they've played all year. I mean, is that a crazy thing to say? Like this oh, is not the at most, all. This is the most, uh, it's the easiest time I've had watching this team and it's the postseason. So that's made things more difficult. Like when they go, you know, a five, nothing lead turns into a five to three lead. You start getting a little nervous, but again, we didn't have to deal with that tonight because everything went well. And you're right that the highlight reels are going to be full of the Phillies hitting home runs and knocking in runs from this game. And before we forget, I just want to remind everyone who said Kyle Schwarber could be the yeah. MVP NLCS of the NLCS. MVP. Yeah, and, that was you. Know, you. We're on our way. But, you know, <laughs> putting that aside, you got to give credit to the pitching this team has been getting. And, yeah. you know, there was there was a point of this regular season where starting pitching was this team's strength, and there was a point where it was not. This is when it has to be a strength. And, boy, these guys have really shown up. If you have any kind of conspiracy theory about – you know, the, the struggles, the up and down season of Aaron Nola and the even the struggles of Zach Wheeler, which were a little more apparent this year than they were last year. And your theory being that, like, maybe they were saving some extra juice for this time of year. It's kind of tough to deny at this point. I mean, they look absolutely <laughs> phenomenal and they're getting exactly the kind of starts they need from these guys for their offense to do what they do. And some nights, you know, you're facing a pitcher who's a little harder to hit against and you only manage three runs. But, you know, when your pitching's working, that's enough. And then you have a night like tonight where the offense is really working and they're scoring 10 runs and the pitching doesn't even have to be as good as it is, but it still is. So yeah. it's great to see. It's hu- It's a huge confidence builder. And if it's a confidence builder for us, then it's doing the same thing for the Phillies. And you just they're just picking up more momentum at a time where you feel like they couldn't possibly have any more. Well, I thought this was a, a really interesting start for Aaron Nola because the Phillies have struggled in Game 2s over these last couple of years. They, they win Game 1, they struggle to win Game 2, but they have never really, they've never played a Game 2 at home in the Division Series, in the Championship Series, or the World Series rounds of the playoffs. This is the first time they've had home field advantage in a, in a seven-game or even a five-game series. And so it was kind of interesting. It was, it was Aaron Nola last year was very good in the wild card round, very good in the divisional round, and then faltered in the League Championship Series and and the World Series. And obviously, we went through all of the emotions with Aaron Nola this year. And for, for most of the season, we were not happy with this man. We, we were not happy with how he pitched. He was not happy with how he pitched. And it was a real question. We were having conversations in August asking flat out, can he start a playoff game? Like, can you really trust him to start a playoff game? That seems ludicrous right now. But 
it's he found a mechanical flaw you know looking at the pitch clock the wrong way looking at the other pitch clock on the other side helped him straighten his body out and now he's he's got that command that he hadn't had all season long now he has it whether he's in the windup whether he's in the stretch the command is back because his mechanics are back he fixed something about six starts ago and hasn't lost it he's been totally locked in and i do think you're right i think he has saved some bullets for october simply because he didn't pitch well in the championship series in the world series last year i have no doubt that that's partly true but i I do think that he figured something out about a month ago, and we're seeing the results of that. He has been an incredible. Six innings in game two, three hits allowed, no runs, no walks, seven strikeouts, but the pitch placement was remarkable, immaculate all game long. Three starts in this postseason, a 0.96 ERA here in the playoffs. He has a 1.57 ERA in his career, five starts at Citizens Bank Park. And... If you look at Philly starters as a whole, Zach Wheeler, Aaron Nola, Ranger Suarez, 46 and a third innings, 1.55 ERA, 0.67 whip, 51 strikeouts, four walks, and 27 hits. And that's because uh, in, in game one, Zach Wheeler went six innings, gave up three hits, two runs, eight strikeouts, no walks. I mean, just what these two guys are doing, that's been, you know, you can you can kind of get off to a slow offensive start when your pitchers are throwing up zeros and that's what these guys are doing at the start of games, you know, Wheeler is typically running into some trouble in like the fifth or the sixth inning. But for the first five innings, every time these guys have gone out there, they've just thrown zeros across the board. And that's just got to be so relaxing for the offense to know that they can settle in a little bit. This is what giving your team a chance to win means. Totally. I mean, there was a, there was a pitch. I think it was in the first inning. Aaron Nola threw a called third strike that stayed outside the entire time on its way to the plate and then zipped in uh, to the high outside corner yeah, right at the those. last second. <laughs> I choked on my drink watching that pitch go <laughs> across the plate. Not even in replay. I just saw that live and, and just was like, oh, my God, a reaction that I typically reserve for like a big home run. Mm-hmm. That's that's the kind of that's the kind of night he had. And that's the kind of nights he's been having. I mean, six great Aaron Nola starts in a row is not a concept I think we had during the regular season at no. any point. He has he, the, the the adjustment he has made has certainly corrected the overall criticisms I think we had with him all year, which was that if he got in a little bit of trouble, he crumbled pretty quick. I think whatever he's done has not only fixed his mechanics, it's also fixed his mentality. It's given yeah. him an, an amount of an ace level of inco- of, of incompetence oh boy. Uh, <laughs> no, of confidence. No, the opposite. The opposite. That. The opposite. <laughs> <laughs> I swear, it's the playoffs now. It's a different Aaron yeah. Nola, and he's just the Terminator out there, which is a version of him we have just not seen this year. So it was great watching him obviously pitch tonight, but then seeing him in the dugout afterwards, just kind of having a arms crossed exchange with Zach Wheeler in the dugout where the two of them were just kind of like calmly chatting with each other while the team was up, you know, six, eight, nothing in a playoff game, you know, in a game two there, they were just totally relaxed for two of the Phillies, most important players. They were just completely at ease. And it was just, it was, it was incredible to see. It's a, it's a huge confidence boost to someone watching as well, just to see him pitching this well and just being this chill. So yeah, it's a, uh, whatever adjustment he's made, Whoever gave that to him, whoever, if he came up with it himself, I mean, you know, lots of credit has to be doled out here, and a lot of it has to go to Aaron Nola.
Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, we were so we were so worried about him as a game two starter in in the playoffs, and uh, to come through the way that he has. And now I have just I, I have the utmost confidence in him. Um, I'm I'm all for re-signing him now. You know, to another to a contract because it felt like it felt like something got fixed. You know what I mean? Like, and so it's if that's the case, like this is the guy that was a Cy Young contender in, in 2018. Like this is the guy who is, who is the co-ace along with Zach Wheeler. And we're talking about Aaron Nola right now, because frankly, between the two pitchers, Aaron Nola has probably pitched. It's not much better, but a little bit better between the two of them. He's given up fewer runs, has a lower ERA. He's been striking just as many guys out and just looks in total control. He could have gone another inning in this one. Like if the Phillies hadn't put up, you know, four spot in in the sixth inning, he probably was going out there for the seventh inning because his pitch count was low. He was still dealing, and um, there was really no need to take him out. But once he'd been sitting for a little while in the dugout, no reason to put him back out there. And then, you know, the bullpen finished up. Jeff Hoffman looked great in, in the seventh inning. And uh, you had uh, Matt Strom in the eighth. Looked a little hairy, but, you know, that's fine. You're up 10 nothing. Who cares? And then uh, Ryan Kirkering in the ninth uh, finished things off. But, um, yes, just the, the, the start from Arenola totally totally changes the complexion of this team in the playoffs. If you've got, a, if you've got Zach Wheeler and Arenola doing this the rest of the way, it's going to be almost impossible for any team to, to take the Phillies down just because it's so important to have these two guys who can start games one and two and then five and six of every seven-game playoff series. There's, this was, these were the two games, Justin, that Arizona felt like they had to have a shot with, with Zach Gallen and Merrill, and Merrill Kelly going you know, these these were their two. These this the reason you felt good about Arizona. If you did, was because they had their two horses going up here, and you had to feel pretty good about them matching up with Wheeler and Nola. And they just got totally, totally outplayed. Yeah, I, I mean, we know that stealing one of the first two games on the road in a series like this, where you don't have home field advantage, is is key. And the Diamondbacks were just not able to do that. They weren't able to do it last night when they gave themselves a chance, and they never had a chance this this no. in game two. So yeah, that that's that was a like you said, eighty four percent is the is the victor's chance when they go up two nothing in a series like this. And the Diamondbacks are in a deep hole now. I mean, they finished the season strong. But this is a team that well, they have eighty four wins. Yeah, eighty four uh, wins. They yeah, they looked like the Marlins. In yeah. this. they finished with the same wins, number of wins as the Marlins. They they looked the same. Yeah, there's a reason I think people just weren't intimidated by this matchup. And look, I'm not going to sit here and and go to town on the Diamondbacks because yep. it's not over. And and we're you know making a point not to look past people. But uh, you're watching this series so far, you're thinking, boy, the Phillies were largely picked across the board by national outlets for a reason. Uh, and and that that is that the things that were the Phillies' biggest flaws throughout the season aren't necessarily on display here. I mean, granted, they have struggled to hit with runners in scoring position and, and relied almost exclusively on home runs to score, certainly in the NLCS, but then JT Romuto hit that double tonight, and they yeah. were just kind of off to the races. Yeah, it opened the floodgates there. Yeah. It was good to see. Yeah, so you you weren't exactly getting the uh, the Diamondbacks A team after a certain point, but you were also seeing guys hit the ball, and uh, you know it, when you haven't when you've been struggling to hit the ball in that scenario, regardless of the context, it's going to feel good, and and it might be the boost you need to to get things straight. So at the very least, the Phillies have kind of like mm. shaken free of that uh, of of that reputation here in the postseason. They have done more than just score on home runs, but like you said, the way the pitching's been working, that's all they've needed. 
I mean, yeah. you know, that one nothing lead early in game one, it, well, two nothing lead early in game one was, uh, you know, awesome and exciting. But the thought was also like, look, we're up to nothing now. We're going to be up by even more later. And they wound up winning the game by that same margin. So you got to you got to give yourself a chance with the offense. And the Phillies offense has shown it needs, you know, maybe one pitch to give you a lead. But that doesn't really matter if the pitching on your side isn't really working. And boy, they are they are getting it. They are getting the pitching performances they they were hoping to get all season from these guys. And also, you know, even the bullpen, you're seeing their biggest strength in the postseason, the depth of their of their mm. pitching staff really come through here and, and be yeah. a very valuable piece of their postseason success. Orion Kirkering might be the Diamondbacks' third best reliever if if you had to swap him out. And I'm not joking about like the, the Diamondbacks yeah. bullpen just doesn't have a whole lot of hard throwers. They just don't have the same kind of stuff that the Phillies bullpen does. They they weren't fooling anybody here in game two uh, with the way the Phillies were, were teeing off on those guys. But just also, I don't want to bury Zach Wheeler just because he pitched in game one and we didn't get a chance to do a podcast. Um, his postseason numbers are historic and eye-popping. 26 strikeouts and three postseason starts this year. Most in any three-game postseason span in Phillies history. Hamels and Lee had a, a stretch of 25 strikeouts in three postseason starts. He has a 2.63 career ERA in nine postseason starts. And among pitchers with at least nine postseason starts, he has the lowest opponent's OPS of 445 of anyone in baseball history. That's with names like Christy Mathewson, uh, Bob Gibson, Madison Bumgarner, Cliff Lee. And then, you know, there's a couple weirdos like Nathan Ivaldi and, and Art Neff. Uh, who are also on that list, list, but also lowest career MLB postseason whip, 40 or more total innings pitched, no one better than Zach Wheeler, 0.695, better than Mariano Rivera's 0.759, Kenley Jansen and Sandy Koufax also on that list. So, I mean, we're talking some historic performances here from Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola. Both these guys pitched gems in the NLCS against an overmatched Diamondbacks team uh, that just didn't have any way of doing anything off of either of those two guys. And so um, let's talk a little bit about the about the home runs here, Justin. It seemed like every time you would see a new home run note come on Twitter, like this is the first time in such and such the Phillies have done this or Major League Baseball, a team has hit this many homers in this many games, and then it needed to be updated like 30 seconds later because there went another home run. Uh, Kyle Schwarber, and as you mentioned, probably right now the, the leading contender for NLCS MVP with three home runs. And just like he he apparently treats the NL wildcard series like April and the National League Division series like May. And just like last year, once the NLCS got going, Kyle Schwarber got going. He had the leadoff home run, obviously, on the first pitch of the of the league championship series of, for, that the Phillies saw for a, for a, a bomb to right field that really set the tone for things. Uh, he had two more home runs here in game two. Huge home runs to put the Phillies up 2-0. And that one in the sixth really was a backbreaker for Arizona. Made it 3 to nothing, And you just kind of felt like that whole team sagged. I think it was Ron Darling who said, it's really important right now that Merrill Kelly keep the Phillies to two runs, that they not give up anything else with the way Aaron Nola is pitching because they got to keep this close. And I'm, it was two pitches later that Schwarber hit his second home run of the game uh, to, to make it three to nothing. And from then from then on, the, the floodgates opened on the offense. Trey Turner got things started with a first inning home run. He He's had a red hot postseason as well with doubles and home runs and singles and walks and stolen bases all over the place. But with their three home runs, Justin, the Phillies are now plus 15 in home run differential here in the playoffs. 
They're out homering opponents 19 to 4. Their last 13 home runs are solo home runs, by the way. So we wouldn't mind getting a few more of these blasts with some guys on base. But that being said, 19 to 4 home run differential through game two of the NLCS is absolutely mind-boggling. And that's that's how you win in the playoffs, hitting home runs. I mean, you'd like for them to be more than just solo shots, but right now for this team, that's that's just fine, especially with the timing. They're early in games, and they're really kind of giving the Phillies and the crowd all the momentum. First of all, listen to you coming down on Art Newcomb Neff like he was a total nobody. Terra total Hotes, Tara, Tara Hotes own Art Neff. <laughs> Rose Polytechnic Institute's own Art Newcomb Neff. And I'd just, like to apologize to the Neff family for my for my ignorance, and it was not intentional. Uh, you so know. dismissively, unbelievable. Dismissive, yeah. yeah. So you know, you know, he died in Phoenix, Arizona. Maybe that's a sign. I, I anyway, <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's an omen. <laughs> the point is, uh, point being that nineteen to four; those are cartoon numbers. I feel like those numbers should only be displayed on screen like they're inflated party balloons. Like mm-hmm. that is that is absolutely insane, borderline inappropriate and like you said seeing Kyle Schwarber go off is is immediately refreshing one of the only other things that went wrong for the Phillies tonight after that initial error by Trey Turner was that Nick Castellanos's deep fly ball didn't go out yeah I, was I thought really, that was going out I thought that was after like you know I didn't trust Schwarber's ball at first his first one I thought oh um you know Carroll's squaring up on that, it looks like, but well, then it went over his head. And Schwarber uh, didn't look like he hit it. He was kind of unsure. Yeah. He kinda, usually when he hits it, like the second one, he just stood there. You knew that was gone. But the first one, he was kind of running out of the box. I think he thought that was going off the wall. They're going to use this as evidence when it comes out that the baseballs were juiced in some way during this NLCS. But, <laughs> but yeah, that was the to me that was the biggest crime was that Cassianos's didn't go out, so we couldn't add on to his insane statistics over the last few playoff games. But I think that power just shifted over to Kyle Schwarber, and he's going to take over that role uh, in the in the nights to come. And that's you know. Again, that's what depth is. That's this lineup being as deep as it is. This is, I think, what this is perhaps our downfall throughout the regular season is assuming that this team would look like this all year long. When yeah. in reality, a team like this is probably going to save its best performances for the postseason because these guys are veterans. A lot of them have played in the postseason. They know they got to save their strength. And it's the younger members of the Phillies who have like gained that experience from last year and, and kind of learned, oh, okay, yeah, I'm I'm learning more about how to be a baseball player who plays in October uh, somewhat regularly. So this being the best Phillies uh, we, we, we've seen all year long, I guess it shouldn't be that much of a surprise, but at the same time, I still do want every deep fly ball to go out, no matter no matter how much they're up, because there's really nothing better than than being relaxed during a postseason game. Yeah, and I love watching the crowd come through the TV on on Ooh. home runs. It's just the you, it's you can see your TV shake a little bit. You know, <laughs> the sound, especially if you've got those big subwoofers and the surround sound, it'll it'll rattle your own television, it'll rattle your own. You can kind of feel yeah. like you're there and rattle your own living room. Um, but yeah, Come running that, in from another room based that's on, right. like, you know, uh, 45,000 people are screaming <laughs> in your living room. Um, and you talk about the home runs from, from game one, how they set the tone. Again, Schwarber swinging at the first pitch from Zach Gallen, who's a very, very good pitcher. Uh, but Gallen was just trying to start with a, a, a go a, go go get ahead, you know, hit me fastball and left it right out over the middle of the plate just to try and, you know, get ahead of Schwarber. The Phillies had a game plan to go after Gallen early and often in the count. Bryce Harper hits his 
home run on his 31st birthday, fourth player ever to homer in the playoffs on his birthday. Uh, Schwarber's home run, that leadoff home run, 117.1 miles off, miles per hour off the bat, fourth hardest hit playoff home run since the StatCast era started in 2015. Schwarber still owns number one, which is, of course, the U Darvish home run in game one of the NLCS. But uh, also his fourth leadoff home run in the playoffs, most in baseball history, besting Jimmy Rollins and Derek Jeter, who each had three. So now uh, Kyle Schwarber, the all-time Major League Baseball postseason leader in leadoff home runs. Um, but what was, like you said, really great to see here in Game 2 was the offense add-on. After Kyle Schwarber hit the home run, you had Trey Turner get on with a walk, and then the Phillies decided not to let that go to waste. Bryson Stott with a huge hit in that inning, Justin. A seeing-eye single. It probably should have been a ground out to second base, but he's going up against uh, Mantiply, their um, really good left-handed reliever. They they took out Merrill Kelly after Kelly was left in to face Bryce Harper for some reason, and Bryce Harper missed a, a hit-me fastball right down the middle and then kind of went full tilt after that, was, was chasing everything because he was trying to get that swing back. Um, they, they got him out. Uh, they, they got out um, uh, Alec Bohm, but then Bryson Stott hits that bouncer up the middle, makes it first and third with Trey Turner going to third. That's a huge hit because then the Phillies get the matchup they want. They get JT Rail Muto against Mantiply, lefty on righty. Mantiply not nearly as good against righties as he is against lefties, and JT Rail Muto has found something here at the end of the season with runners in scoring position and at home, getting more hits in these situations. Not great every time. He, he, he hit a double play with the bases loaded and one out in game one, but here in game two, gets the big hit after Bryson Stott steals second base, hits a ringing double to the left center field gap. He brings in two more. Now the route is on. It's 5 nothing. Uh, you get, um, um, after that, you had uh, Brandon Marsh with an RBI double to make it 6 nothing. Alec Bohm, great to see. Hit a couple balls hard in game one without any luck. Almost hit a home run at the, in the first inning, or the, yeah, the second inning of uh, game, first inning of game two, um, and then breaks out of his slump with a big two-run double into the gap to make it eight to nothing. He had some another RBI single from Real Muto, a sack fly from Castellanos to finish things off. Um, the Phillies adding on late, but that that's a good thing to to see them do that kind of damage against the the the, the Diamondbacks bullpen, and just for them to know that they can get some of these hits with runners in scoring position, that it doesn't have to be a home run. And and again, one day we may see these home runs hit with runners on base, and that would be a good thing too. Yeah, who knows? I mean, anything's on the table for this team at this point. Like the, it was great to see them just sort of unlock that ability in the NLCS, just to, you know, just to see it on display. And you know, I think it means, I think it means good things for the for the games ahead as well. But also, I mean, look, let's let's just say it: the way this team looked tonight, the way they pulled out the win last night, it's really tough to imagine that they're going to suddenly go out to Arizona and forget who they are. I know we kn- yeah. we've seen this team struggle before and, you know, seems to have a switch of some kind, but this team is cruising. They are fully in the zone and it's really tough to imagine that uh, tonight's mojo suddenly just disappears. I mean, they are, they have it. I mean, just yes, listening to like the, uh, the, the uh, press conferences tonight, Aaron Nola is just sitting there like, yeah, you know, last year in the postseason, I feel like I was uh, giving away some pitches, but uh, like I'm healthy and I feel good. I mean, just like, yeah, what else do you want to hear from a guy who just pitched like he did tonight? Like he doesn't, this is, this is, this is a team that is putting itself in the most unbeatable position it can. And that's exactly what you want to be in the postseason. You know, they're a 90 win team that, you know, didn't have to win 104 games to go to the postseason. Just 
it's not, and it's not like they just got hot at the right time either. They played yeah. like one of the best teams in baseball for a large chunk of the season, and they they they, they went into the playoffs because they deserve to. And now they're playing like the team I think a lot of people fantasized them being for a long time. So this is a powerful team getting the pitching performances it needs to be the foundation for its offense. I mean that is that is incredible. And like you said, the early inning uh, solo shots are just kind of like. You know, the first round. Tonight. Yeah. It's like the first salvo. Those, first, those are those are hard shots to the face yeah. in round one. And it, you you can see that it really, when that because it gets, the, the crowd's already amped up. And when you give them something to cheer about early, it's it's an injection. And especially in game one when it just kept coming. You had the Castellanos homer in the second inning. And, you know, they just it just kept building and building and building. And then in, in game two, you had the Turner home run. Like, it's just, it's, it's a shot to the face. You know, you land that that hook on the jaw and you stun your opponent right out of the gate. And it just felt like the Arizona Diamondbacks were on their heels, especially here in game two. They fought back in game one and give the Diamondbacks credit. You know, they were down five nothing. They made it five three. Um, they got the tying run to the plate a number of different times. Really good relief pitching by Alvarado and, and Kimbrell specifically got them out of that, that mess in game one. In game two, they just they, they weren't able to do anything with Aranola uh, until it was, and then by then it was too late once Aranola w- was out of the game. But the, the, those home runs, they they it they they help get the crowd and and keep them at full froth and you could tell i mean that that play in what was it the 7th inning when the ball dropped in between all the di- diamondback players in the infield um that was the moment i kind of felt a little bad for them <laughs> cuz i mean they Ugh. just they looked shell shocked and and i don't i don't know I don't know how they recover for game three because there is that combination of the Phillies. I mean, just every everyone on Twitter, every baseball writer, every everyone who follows sports is just looking at this Phillies team objectively from out without the Philadelphia blinders on and saying, like, that team has the stink to it. Like that team has the look. That team even more so than than last year. You know, this team just they look they they look like they're it. And it's it's partly that, and it's also partly, I think the Diamondbacks look at the Phillies and are like, they gotta be thinking to themselves, how do we how do we deal with this? Like, what do we what do we do now as the series shifts for game to games for games three, four, and if necessary, game five in, in Arizona? I, I don't I don't know how they picked themselves up off the mat. This was a brutal beat, beating in, in Philadelphia. It's gonna take a historic momentum shift for sure. And I'll tell you what, the thought that popped into my head after that ball hit the ground was that then there was there there was then a shot of Evan Longoria like laughing with someone and look, I don't care. I, I, this is something I'm not upset about. Like if I saw a Phillies player laughing down 10, nothing in the postseason, I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm a little irked, but I'm probably not even in that case, even like annoyed. I'm certainly not enough annoyed enough to like say something publicly, like try and try and get it out there. Like, Whoa, what's he doing laughing? Like, I don't know. Guys laugh sometimes cameras catch them, but you know, that's obviously something that in some cases is going to get noticed and players sometimes get asked about in, in situations like that, where it's like you were down by a lot and this was a big game and you were caught on camera laughing. What were you guys laughing about? It's never a question, you know, a player responds positively to it's never a question that a reporter gets complimented for asking, but it happens. And I saw that happen. And I was just, I said to, to somebody I was watching with like, Oh boy, that's gonna, that's, that's gonna lead to some questions at least. And then two seconds later, I was like, no, it's not. No, it's no. not because the Diamondbacks 
just don't have that level of scrutiny. Yeah. It feels like <laughs> with the yeah. people that follow them and the writers that write about them. And certainly yeah. not after that game. I mean, you know, again, you, you laugh in that situation because we're down 10, nothing guys, we're probably going to lose this game and that sucks, but whatever. Yeah. And yeah, there was one of two guys I saw like laughing and smiling on the diamondbacks. Again, this is not me saying there's a right way and a wrong way for guys to act in that situation. I don't care, but I think we can all agree objectively. That's something that does get brought up. And I just don't think the diamondbacks even have the foundation behind them to have people who are like, Hey, why is that guy? Like they just, they don't, they don't have it. That's just yeah. not there. I mean, you, you, you've seen that footage of uh, like local news coverage in Phoenix talking oh, yeah. about like, Oh, these are the drink specials and they're going to have raffles They're between gonna... innings. Nobody, Ex- nobody's there. Like nobody's, nobody's there. coming. There's, yeah. there's very little excitement. It feels like in Arizona about this team. And I can't imagine there's that much more after they got pasted into the dirt, 10 to nothing in game two. Well, you saw the ticket prices in Arizona, right? My friend of a friend said that there's $24 tickets for sale for this game three in Arizona. And yep. because they have air miles, it's actually cheaper for them to go to three games in Arizona than it is to go to one game in Philadelphia. Pat Galen just tweeted something a few minutes ago, because I know you had sent that to sent that to us in slack earlier today he tweeted uh you go to the um arizona diamondbacks uh uh, stadium ticket page section 330 row 23 row 32 uh section 331 row 32 24 dollars seats each one to three tickets one to three tickets seated together two tickets seated together you can get tickets for game three in arizona for 24 bucks a pop which if you're a, a marketing professional Working for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Again, look, I can't, I'm just by, by my nature, I can't sit here and say like, oh, definitely this is going to be the outcome of this series. Got to keep your eye on the ball. The Phillies can't look past the Diamondbacks. But I'm going to go back to what I was just saying, which is that if you're a marketing professional working for the Arizona (laughs) Diamondbacks and you're seeing this play out and you've got a playoff team and you were the young scrappy team that beat the big mighty Dodgers in the NLDS and this was like, oh, we're going to take advantage of this. You got some work to do, man. Like there is, there is, there is not a lot of turnout for this team. There's not a lot of excitement for this team. And you know, I, I, I do. I just want to focus on the Phillies. But like, it's tough not to recognize this that there's a huge contrast between these two teams as far as interest goes. Yeah. And when you think about like accountability and repercussions for like getting absolutely destroyed in game two and not coming out of Philadelphia with any wins and being down two nothing as they come back to Arizona. You got to ask yourself, well, who's going to care now? Because it doesn't seem like anybody did before they lost two games. Yeah. No, it's, it's, I mean, you don't have fans in, in Arizona like you do in Philadelphia running onto the field at, at, at the end of the game. Um, and yeah, talking about pasted. Absolutely <laughs> slammed into the ground by security. <laughs> There's video of this, folks. If you haven't seen it, there is, there is some, some local yokel who's running out from one of the, one of the stands in the outfield. And as the Phillies bullpen is making their way, it's after the final pitch, making their way back to the infield to celebrate with their teammates. This, this idiot comes running onto the field and coming from the other side. I mean, this is, this is like, um, it's like a linebacker coming at, coming at a running back over the middle of the field and, you know, running backs looking to the left, linebackers coming from the right and 
boom. He just puts his shoulder into him, and it was a legal hit. Phenomenal. Uh, you know, Phenomenal. No, open field tackling yeah, is like didn't the leave hardest the helmet. thing. <laughs> I, I think it's harder than, you know, the round battle on a round ball thing. And yeah. these security professionals have it down. You know, I, that is that yeah. is really impressive. I think it was I, Jose Jose Alvarado was going nuts. Like he was, first yeah. of all, he was waving his arms as the guy was coming across. And then he started like jumping up and down. And a couple of the relievers fell to the ground laughing. Uh, it happened right in front of them. It's just, it, it was great. What a finish. And you know what? If there's a full Diamondbacks bar somewhere where people are turning out and watching these games, you know, show me. I want that to be the case. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. want there to be interest, but like they're just they're objectively has not been in this team. When you think no. about the 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 level of excuses and scrutiny that the Braves were under throughout this whole process and the mm-hmm. and you know, this series, the Diamondbacks are obviously, you know, they finished with 20 fewer wins than the yeah. Braves. They're just there simply wasn't the amount of uh the amount of pressure it feels like on them, especially because their their fans are saying what Phillies fans were saying last year, that they're playing with house money. So any success is enough success. And I got to tell you, last year when we were saying that about the Phillies, after they got out of that, well, after they won the first wild card game, I was like, nope, now it's too late. Now you got to win the NLDS at least. <laughs> at least. Yep, yep. <laughs> no, but it's too late. I wasn't expecting anything. Getting there was was good enough. But yeah, then the, the, and the stakes were higher this year, and they're playing better with the stakes higher because they had expectations to get back to the World Series and win it. And they're playing better right now than they did last year in the playoffs. And I didn't think that was possible. I, I didn't think, you know, that run in 2022 was so special. I really, there's a part of me that didn't think we were going to see it again. And we're seeing it again. And again, like you said, there are still, there's many miles to go left, but six wins left, six wins left. And that's the mantra right now for this team uh, as they get ready to board a flight for Arizona. And they're going to face Brandon Fat on what is it on Thursday? Um, is that a five thirty game or a five o'clock game on Thursday? It is. It's a five oh seven game on Thursday. Um, but it'll be Ranger Suarez against uh, Brandon Fott, and uh, this is a definitely, I think, a matchup that favors the Phillies. Uh, Ranger Suarez has all that playoff experience. Fott has has pitched uh, two games in the playoffs, seven innings so far, and he's done well, three point eight six ERA. Uh, but during the regular season, ninety six innings had a five point seven two earned run average. He's a right hander, so uh, this should be this should be a guy that. The Phillies left-handers like Kyle Schwarber, Bryce Harper um, should have an, an easier time with. But If you can uh, get a few knocks on Zach Gallen and Merrill yeah. Kelly, you should be able to handle Brandon Fott as well. And I'll, I'll give some credit to Merrill Kelly as well. He made those comments before the game about he thought that the he had a hard time imagining how the crowd noise in Philadelphia could be any louder than what he experienced in Venezuela uh, during the World Baseball World Baseball Classic, or against the Venezuelan team. I don't remember where that game was played. I guess it was in Miami, Miami. or something. Yeah, expecting that to match up with, and obviously he got raked over the coals for for that one. But he pitched well in the environment. He really did. He was he was very good uh, in game two. Certainly better than Zach Allen. So uh, give him give him credit for that. Um, any anything else before we wrap up here, Justin, and get ready for for game three out in Arizona? Just that, you know, I, I think uh, the, it's it's okay to be confident. It's, it's okay to be confident. It was okay to be confident coming into this series. It was okay to be confident coming into the last series, too. I, I think people are doing a, a lot of what you and I are doing here, which is like, you know, just check yourself. You know, yep, yep. It's only two games. Yep. You don't want to be the one who, you know, who metzed it here and, and, and <laughs> called it early. Uh, but at the same time, it is, it's okay to be confident because we have never seen the Phillies play better. This game was absolutely outrageous. The only thing better than a relaxing playoff game like this is a relaxing World Series game, uh, which we also got last year at one point. So this team looks like they are 
primed to do the thing, but they are not at the thing yet. So right for now, they're just going to be fun to watch and, you know, have a little bit earlier start. You can go to bed a little earlier for these next couple of games when they're out in Arizona. Uh, but, yeah, I think uh, they, they have given us every reason to be excited. They're doing a lot right. They're doing all they need to do right to win these games. And, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see what comes next because this team is really doing something special. Should mention Jay Cave uh, got a hit um, when he pinch when he pinch hit yeah. in the uh, bottom of the eighth inning. Yeah, uh, we got to mention that, and yeah. I got to mention that Go I you I, tweeted it, you mentioned it. Yeah, I know well, that I definitely have been the biggest proponent of Jake Cave. Get him out of here! And you know, it's not like he <laughs> hit the game winning home run or anything, but boy, that was fun to watch watching yeah. him just haul <laughs> butt around the bases and then face plant. And then I'll tell you what, I didn't hear the, what the broadcasters were saying, but I did slow motion. I, th- I, I think he, he got in. Yeah, I think he I got in too. there. I, can't, I I was a little funny watching the the coach just kind of wave off the concept of replaying that. And for, to that, I thought, oh, they might just they might just want to hit like a late happy hour or something. I think that's just, what it is. They didn't want yeah. they didn't want to have him like rub it. You know, just like you know, let, let's not. I think they did yeah. that for Jake's sake. You know, for Cave's sake and being like, you know, let's put the you know. But I, I that would have been kind of unnecessary yeah. when you're up. Was good. He, he was getting yeah. props in the dugout. They were yeah. giving him hugs and yeah. you know they they all I think they all knew. So that was yeah. I think he was safe, but and that was a fun at bat. So I just had to say that yeah. as the guy who was like. Wow, Jake Cave, get him out of here! Like, well, whatever. and in in playoff history, and it, it was a big milestone for for Jake Cave as he <laughs> he's now tied with Mike Trout on the all time postseason hit list with one. So uh, now now Mike Trout's out here catching strays. This is a <laughs> hell of a run in the postseason. Oh, oh boy. late one last late stat uh, that from Corey Seidman: the Phillies pitching staff as a whole has a one point three nine ERA in seventy one innings this postseason. Just doing an unbelievable job, starters, relievers, and the offense. It's 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 a plus thirty one run differential for the Phillies at home so far in this postseason. Only one team in history has finished a playoffs with a plus thirty run differential at home. That was the two thousand seven Red Sox. So the Phillies um, looking to add to it, as we certainly hope and expect that there will be more home games. You know, depending on how things go in Arizona, it might not be until Game Three of the World Series, depending on how the the ALCS uh, finishes up. But um, we will see. We'll we'll see when the next time it is we get back and get some playoff baseball at Citizens Bank Park. It has certainly been uh, a lot of fun with uh, six of the eight playoff games so far at Citizens Bank Park. A much different feel this year than last year when they spent so much of the early part of the playoffs on the road. So lots of fun at CBP. We're gonna probably get a little break from home playoff baseball at least. Um, for uh, a few days anyway, and we we hope for a little bit longer uh, because um, obviously hoping that the Phillies can wrap things up uh, in either Game 4 or Game 5 out in Arizona. But uh, that's going to do it for this recap of Games 1 and 2 of the NLCS. And uh, folks, thanks for joining us on this journey as we are watching this Phillies team do something special. And uh, we're just hoping it keeps on rolling. Not saying they're going to do anything for sure, but things are certainly looking good for the Phillies. Uh, as they are taking care of business against the Diamondbacks here so far in this NLCS. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time right here on Hit and Season.